This episode of the Tome Show is brought to you by Skull Splitter Dice, sponsoring a Tome Show listener contest. Be sure to enter and win. Listeners like you, thanks for using the Tome's Amazon and DM's Guild affiliate links, and our wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash the Tome Show. Welcome to the book club for May 2020? Late, late May? Is that what we're going to call June 9th is late, late May? <laughs> late, late May. Okay. Uh, the Tome is a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. In each book club episode, we discuss one D&D-related book, spoilers be damned, in full book club style. And our book this time around is Dragons of Winter Night by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. In the next episode in July, July. end of July... We will be uh, revisiting the setting of Dark Sun as we read The Crimson Legion, which is book two of the Prism Pintad by Troy Denning. With us, as always, uh, and you may have already heard his his dulcet uh, tones, is Eric Paquette. Eric, how are you doing? Doing good. How are you doing? Then? I mean, as good as one can be doing in the middle of a global pandemic and all the other crazy things that are happening in the world in early June, right? Yes, 2020. It's uh, just it is It is crazy. <laughs> all future people, if you have a time machine, do not avoid 2020. I mean. Right. So we are discussing um, Dragons of Winter Night. It is the second book of the Dragonlands Chronicles series, of which there are three books. I mean, there's the three there originals. I don't know if yeah. Dragons of Winter Flame, which comes way later and after a bunch of other books, counts as being part of the series or not. It, has, are, it has the naming There's other but, stuff that's happening that's addition to them. Like there's right. something that we'll probably cover. And that's something I, I want to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's the second book of the, the Dragonlance Chronicles series, uh, which was originally... Uh, if I remember my my Dragonlance Chronicles lore, these books and adventures uh, for D&D were kind of written simultaneously uh, by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman while they were working for TSR in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, uh, which is where TSR was based at the time. Part of the script for the game, from what I gather, was based on their adventures. All right. of those scenarios were some of the stuff that the Heroes of the Lands did were, were actually actions that were done. Those which they just interpreted to make actually a right. storyline. Absolutely. So, so that's the book we're we're looking at, and someday we'll uh, we'll continue uh, reading these books. I imagine. I hope um, because I realized uh, going through this book, and again, we'll get into it in more depth in a second. Um, but I realized going into this book, or as I was listening to reading this book. Um, that of all the Dragonlance books, I th I'm pretty sure this is the one I remembered the least from when I read it in my youth. <laughs> uh, uh, this is the one that, that uh, stuck with me almost not at all. Um, so, so there's that. Uh, but I also wanted to take a break before we got into all of that uh, and mention that it's worth uh, noting for our listeners that The Tome Show has been streaming our live recordings over at twitch.tv slash tomeshow. Uh, for a few months now, and just a, in the last uh, in the last month or so, it's really gotten quite lively, and in a lot of the recordings, and we get a lot of uh, interaction and participation um, on the stream while we're recording. Uh, and you can go ahead and um, can head over to, to Twitch.tv/tomeshow and um, follow us uh, to get notified uh, of when we start a stream. Also on Twitter, I always tweet it out right as we're starting or and right before we start a stream. Uh, so you can always get a notification and come join us and be part of that crowd. Uh, if streaming is not your thing, um, don't worry. You can also catch the raw, unedited video on YouTube, um, usually a little while later, maybe at most like a week later. Um, and, it, of course, it'll always be edited down and make us actually sound like we're halfway intelligent and turned into a podcast as it has always been. Um, that's still our bread and butter. But if you want to watch us uh, and look at us, make goofy faces, and, and see what it looks like when I'm working too hard to read off of a script while recording, that, this is how you can do it. 
Um, I also wanted to note for people's benefit that, uh, as I mentioned at the, in the opening, that we are running a contest right now sponsored by Skull Splitter Dice. Um, they are providing four really fantastic bundles of dice to give away, uh, one per month for the next four months. Uh, so this month, uh, and they're letting me decide sort of how I want to give, give, give the bundles away. So this month I decided to do it via the Tome Show's Twitter. Uh, so if you hear this or see this in June, head over to uh, Twitter and find The Tome Show. It is at The Tome Show. Uh, on June 1st, I tweeted a message that has both a link to all of the fantastic prizes, including a set of metal dice, a bundle of, of a collection of dice, one of their newer collections of plastic dice, uh, one of their new dice trays, um, oh, and one of their nice cases that is, is really handy for holding if you if nothing else, holding your metal dice, um, which sometimes it's nice not to have rolling around in a bag with uh, plastic dice and getting getting them all messed up, right? Uh, so if you head to June 1st, you'll see the tweet. I, I've been retweeting it a lot. Like every couple of days, I retweet it just to remind people about it so you, you can catch it there too. Uh, and you'll also see information about how to enter the contest. Uh, if you didn't catch this in time uh, and you're hearing about the contest for the first time, good news. There's still three more coming along. We'll be doing one a month through September. And the one that will be going on in July will be based on the Tome Show's Facebook page. So make sure you follow the Tome Show's Facebook page. And on July 1st, I will post information about how to enter that way um, once I figure out how to do it. <laughs> so uh, that's all the, the announcements I wanted to make. Eric, did you want to announce anything? I have nothing to announce. No. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the, the Eric sits quietly and listens to me talk part of the show. <laughs> so. That is, which is fine, which is informative. <laughs> good, good. Uh, and, and hopefully the, the rest of the show is the Eric teaches me a thing or two about uh, fantasy literature. That's usually what the rest of the show ends up being. Okay. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> so we read Dragons of Winter Night by Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman. Um, and like I said in the, earlier, like this was the of all the Dragonlance books I've read, and by all I mean of the seven Dragonlance books I've read, um, this is the one I probably remembered the least. Like I think I only remembered one event from this book when I read it back in my childhood. Um, going into it, I'm like, is this the one with Lord Soth? No, it is not. You know, <laughs> is this yeah, the one with... The next, with... The next one's Lord Soth. Yeah, well, and, and, that, and the next one's also the big war up north in yeah. Atlantis. And uh, the, the next one is where we meet... Is the next one where we meet Dalimar? Or is that not until the Legends series? I believe that's the Legend series that you meet up. I know, I know, I know he's heavily involved in the Legend series, but I wasn't sure if we sort yeah. of met him for the first time. Might, I suspect that we might maybe hear of Dalmar at the mm -hmm. end. I don't remember; it's been a while. Now, we'll, when we get to it, we, we, we'll we will see. But right now, it's Dragons Winternight, which mm -hmm. also for me, uh, I was like, okay, I was even wondering if like. I haven't even read this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, I remember this part. So yes, I guess I read this. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Well, no, exactly right. Like, decades. The, the, I, I swear the only part I remember, and there were some pretty interesting parts. The only part I remembered was um, the the first uh, dragon orb, the the green dragon orb um, that okay. they get from in the elven. Uh, was it, is it Qualinesti or Sylvanesti? Uh, it was a Sylvanesti one. Okay. <laughs> the first one. I kind of get it. The first it. one that they referred to was the Sylvanesti one. But, yeah. Uh, but uh, I was remembering about the uh, Silvara situation, about the fact that she was the dragon. And I uh -huh. was you know, in my mind, and so when that was, I was like, okay, yes, I was right. Uh, uh -huh. And then the other one that I remind myself, like, it's like, because I, I, I said to myself, is this a book that the Tinker Gnomes show up for the first oh, time? Oh, I did remember them. I did remember the Tinker Gnomes. I did, but I but I didn't remember Silvar. Now, Silvara's situation to me was extremely transparent. Like it took me yeah. about two or three mentions of Silvara before I'm like, wait a minute, she's a silver dragon. And then it took maybe two or three more mentions before I'm like, wait a minute, 
she's humor silver dragon, <laughs> you know? And so, uh, it didn't, yeah. it, it wasn't for people who kind of know the larger story. Uh, like I may not yeah. remember the book and, and that reveal, but it was pretty obvious to me that that's what was going on. Oh, yeah. So, uh, shall we go as we usually yeah, do let's, a sort of story? Let's go, th go through it a little bit. Yeah. So it started off like, okay. So this book is weird to me, not just because I don't remember it from my childhood. Uh, and this book is weird because of things that you kind of alluded to earlier and that are evident like on page one. Yeah. And that's that this book skips over and doesn't bother to tell you about really important major events. You're talking about the Hammer of Karas. Well, that's one instance of it, right? Yeah. Um, the, the Hammer of Karas, uh, which I believe, if I remember right, there is a book about. Like they did the spin-off book. Yeah. They did there the spin-off books. I found, honestly, today, because yeah. <laughs> I was like, where did they mention about the Hammer of Karas? Because I was like, I don't remember this at the end of of uh, Autumn Twilight if they dealt with it. And you start out the book where they have it and they're arriving at this urban city of Torbaden. And I'm like, I'm yeah. missing something. And when I look, there is a series called Lost Chronicles, which seems to deal with parts of the Dragonlance Chronicles that mm -hmm. they did not delve on. And one of the book, the dragons of D of dwarven redeem or something like that sure. is is the book where it deals of how the flint goes and reclaims the hammer of caress but it's a really important event like yes the finding the hammer of caress is what like it was crucial to getting the dwarves on board as allies it, which and it becomes crucial towards the eventual forging of the dragon lances like the story doesn't happen without finding this hammer. Like the beginning of, like they couldn't have even traveled through the mountains to get to the next part of the story in Dragons of Winter Night without this this story, and they just didn't include that like story. They just skipped it. They just said, "Oh yeah, this stuff happened, and now we're over here on the other side of the mountains, and the dwarves are friends now." And and, and the other and the other thing like. That I also think there was one of the spinoff books from maybe the same series was um, the blacksmith uh, losing his arm and getting the silver arm, uh, yeah. and not only do they not they don't even they don't even kind well, of summarize the story in this book like in in at least with the hammer across they kind of summarized it yeah there was that thing there were walrus men and then we got the hammer it was great for the dwarves here here's how it affected things or whatever but the blacksmith whose name eludes me at the moment. Terrace. Terrace yeah. So, so yeah, so, and he just sort of shows up and has a silver arm and like, hey, wait, what happened to your arm? He's like, ah, don't worry about it. We'll tell you about it later. Like, and, and that's, well, <laughs> that's all we get. From what I recall in Dragons of Autumn Twilight, he has lost, he, he was one arm at that point in time because he was tortured by the that's, draconians. Yes, I think oh. that's right. So, yeah, there is a, I believe there is a book that deals with how he gained the artifact, which is the iron hose, which is needed to be forged to forge the that, that so yeah, the two important items to right. forge the dragon lances, the hammer of Karas and the iron arm of the silver arm of uh, Ironfeld. Right. Bola domes. They just sort of show up as a Deus Ex Machina without any explanation, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And and the other one that that. Um, and we've already alluded to them finding one dragon orb. The, the other one was the other one that drove me crazy. Because it was like, well, you're going to go over here and look for a dragon orb. We're going to go over there for look for a dragon orb. We get a really in-depth story about the finding of the one dragon orb. And then for the other one, it's like, oh, no, we found it. <laughs> you know, And we just skipped that whole part where we found the dragon orb. It's like, yeah. why couldn't you be telling us that story too? <laughs> you know, <laughs> The dragon orb is a Like, if I was running a D&D &D game... And just skipped the part where the, the heroes found a major artifact and just said, oh, you've got this artifact, by the way. You found it during the, the time jump that we just had. Oh. Like, like, that would drive people crazy. <laughs> I, I have read the Dragonlance modules recently. Yeah. So, so I've read the series. And the way that they handle it in the modules is that at certain key points, 
this module, the group separates and you have here are the characters you're playing for this scenario. And it, so so you do go and do but if you're if you are playing Tassa Hoff, all that you might and you're playing this campaign, at one point you might go, oh scenario. Well, Tassa Hoff is not playing this scenario. Right. Here are other characters. So so you have to so as a if you're playing, you have to switch characters. Switch and characters. That. And that's why you switch. end up you kind of end up with extra people being added to both when they split, yeah. other people are added, I guess, so they can yeah. have a whole party and the people who play Tasselhoff but they're not telling Tasselhoff's story can still have something to do. Yeah. Interesting. Well, it it really tells the story of this huge the War of the Lands, which is really epic and knows, and you can't have the same characters. It's too much for just a few characters to do. You have to increase the ensemble and they have to split up to be able to do all the things. Otherwise, it would be too much for characters just by themselves from a story perspective to be able to do. But yeah, yeah. No, it's it's it's, it's, it's in this book, book. Yeah, I don't I didn't remember that happening this much in this book. Uh, and and I guess I kind of forgive it a little bit because I know they've gone back and filled in those gaps. I know those stories are there. Um, and maybe I give it a little bit more leeway because it's D&D and that has a special place in my heart, right? But this is the exact kind of stuff that, that uh, Le Guin was doing in the Earthsea book that we read. Uh, just skipping over major points and, and getting to the events that she wanted to talk about, right? That, that And that's the exact reason that, like, I completely lost interest in that story and didn't really care about it, you know? Um, but this didn't have that effect on me, but maybe because I've already read it once and I kind of – I kind of know the important parts of what's going on. So yeah, but yeah, but yeah. So yeah, so that that, that important part at the end, uh, like yeah, and so they are at part at Torbert. Then they uh, get past and they get to uh, get to Tarsus, which is supposed to be a port city. Mm. They're following the old map that uh, that Tazahov has, right? But the but the map is pre cataclysm, and yeah. the the sea has moved, and Tarsus is no longer a port city. Like I, I yeah. like that. Like they describe the the boats are still in there in the harbor, but the land just sort of keeps going on past them. They're all grounded, yeah. and, uh, and and so how does this once flourishing uh, port city? How is it surviving, and how is it getting by now when the thing that made the city functional is no longer there right and it's it's yeah. barely scraping by and they've developed a deep entrenched uh hatred of of some of their former allies like the the knights of salamnia and they, they, they're not real fond of the elves as well um which is unfortunate right because they, they found they find themselves in a situation where allies could be really helpful <laughs> yeah <laughs> Allies could be very helpful to be able to rebuild this town, but they are not trusting any allies, and thus they right. are left with this really this ramshackle town that just just barely surviving. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and then you Which, get and then they they get there to the town. Uh, they discover that the city has been basically taken over by the dragon armies. Uh, and they've effectively put themselves behind enemy lines because the blue dragon army was like coming in to reinforce or whatever behind them. Yeah. Um, they meet up with Alana, these Sylvania State Princess, Alana Starberries, mm-hmm. and a group of knights of Somalamia. Who, who felt, who feel almost like. Side characters and incidental. Both, both. Uh, was it Alana? Is that her name? Yeah, Alana. Yeah, both her uh, felt sort of like a side character and incidental, and the knights felt kind of incident, yeah. incidental when they were introduced. Uh, like they're going to be like, here's a cameo. They're going to be NPCs for a while, and they'll go away. Uh, but those knights end up being really crucial to Storm's story. And then again, yes. I suppose so. So does so does Alana uh, Starbridge, yep. right? Um, like. That that and that relationship was weird too, like that seemed to yeah, come I'm out of no, the Alana and Sturm relationship. Uh, yeah, sort of just came out of nowhere. 
you know, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't sort feel of it. out of nowhere. It seems like a, a crush or attraction, but not really. But they, 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 they seem to be sort of personality-wise, seem to be like finding themselves to be kindred spirits. Well, yeah, so. no, absolutely. They're they're a little bit kindred. It's really, it's really the author's, at least in that part of the story, making a, an argument for love at first sight, but at the same time trying to do a star-crossed lover Romeo and Juliet kind of romance. Yeah. Which felt weird to me through the whole thing. Like, I'm supposed to really care about this relationship that was never really thoroughly explored or established, you know? No. I mean, it was just presented and you're... I was seeing that what they were doing, but I was, yeah, I was not... Feeling the establishment of okay, mm. yeah, they they will be together and all that. So it was not a driving force towards learning stories. Like it was a side thing that was happening. Right. The for a storm story, the, the the plot with the Knights of Solomon and his struggles uh, between the oath and the measure and balancing that those out. That was the much more compelling to me. Yeah, I agree. Story. Yeah, so so and and that's skipping ahead a little bit, but but yes, yeah. I, I found that conversation, that debate, that that struggle, that tension that would about Sturm becoming a, a full fledged knight and 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 the politics around it and all of that to be much more compelling, and that dealt with the I would argue much more incidental uh, characters of the the Knights of Salamia that were sort of undercover hiding out in in Tarsus, yeah. right? Yes. Uh, so but, getting back but that to introduce those characters so that way they we know yeah they're 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 not just thrown in at the end when they are you really get in the thick of it right so um, uh, although although the the vitriol that the one knight has for Sturm seemed uh, seemed like it got like it's the relationship pieces with Sturm that got short shrift to me like I never really felt. The love between him and Alana, in the same way, I never really felt the vitriol and hatred, and, and why it existed between Sturm and was it Lord Derek? Yeah, Derek Groundguard. Yeah, um, like clearly that guy just really didn't like Sturm and was willing to do anything to sink the guy. But like, yeah, it was it was predicated on well, this one time I told him to do a thing and he didn't exactly follow orders. Yeah, well, I, I always gathered that Derek Congard's vile towards Sturm was not towards really Sturm, but what he represents. Maybe, uh, and that's 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 my angle. I was looking at it, yeah. and I was like, okay. Well, I mean, if it was if it was another Knight of Salonia who did the same thing. It didn't matter. It was Sturm, just same you're getting real choppy there. Uh, I caught some of that message, but uh, okay. But you're getting a little choppy. But but yeah, no, no. I think you're. I think you're right uh, in where I think you were going with that. Um, even if I didn't hear it, uh, that that Sturm represented uh, an approach to things, a way of doing things, and that connected to the current leader of the knights, um, or the current presumed leader of the knights, and that. That is the impetus behind a lot of that that tension between Derek and Sturm, and that Sturm was just a convenient way for for Derek to take jabs at the current leader, whose name escapes me. Um, and so, so I get that, and maybe there's a maybe there's a backstory with, with Sturm's dad because he was a, a well known knight, uh, although Sturm never knew him, and so maybe he represented more than that. Uh, but, but man, this guy was willing to sink a guy's, uh, life goals, um, predicated on the, uh, this one guy didn't, he didn't follow my orders exactly one time. So I'm just going to completely sink his career. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so Sturm, uh, ends up with this, this situation with Alana Starbreeze, who's the princess of, of the, um, Silvanesti. The Sylvanesti, yeah, which is the 
and, oh, it's the what? it's the sun elves. In in my head, I, I make the D and D connection, right? It's the high elves or the sun elves, uh, yeah. as opposed to the wood elves, which are the the Qualinesti. Yeah, well, there's also there's three types of elves. Well, there's yeah, four, and and then there's the the mechanically the, tiger, the well, wild elves. Yeah, what would be the wild elves, uh, the Kaganesti, yeah. Um, yeah. who are a type of like that was a whole bit of lore that I didn't remember from reading this as a as a kid at all. Um, the Kaganesti and all that. Like I remember kind of hearing the name, but I think I remember it more from the game books than I do the novels. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we've barely gotten into the, we keep jumping around in the story, which I think is fine. Yeah. We're, we're exploring themes as we go, but, um, yeah. they end up behind enemy lines in Tarsus. The blue yeah. dragon army comes in behind them. There's an attack. Yeah. They get separated. Um, uh, but they kind of have a plan that, because Tasselhoff found the knights or the knights found him when everybody was being escorted off to the, meet the local lord or, uh, what have you, when they found out the Draconians were there. Um, and Tass met the knights and discovered that these really important gla magical glasses that he found that hadn't been mentioned until now um, <laughs> uh, helped him translate. He's, he's a kender. I mean, stuff just just land in his pockets. I'm, I'm just saying, if somebody else was writing the book, they would have like made mention of the story of Taz going through the Dwarven stronghold and seeing these glasses and sticking them in his pocket. And then you not, and, and fine, don't talk about them, ignore them, whatever, uh, and bring them up later. But, but there would have been mention, there would have been a hint that it was happening instead of just deus ex machina it later. Um, but he discovers he can read this ancient book that the knights were trying to decipher that tells of the dragon orbs and tells of their location, at least at the time that this book was written ages ago. It's a, it's so old that even like you can only look at a page once and by turning the page, you destroy it. Uh, and yeah. then you have to look at the next one. That so. old, like, <laughs> um, and so Taz has to sort of translate everything that he's seeing as they go. Uh, why they didn't just take the glasses from him and read it themselves. I don't know, but they didn't. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. so they discovered the, they discovered the location of some, some dragon orbs. And, and so they figured that was the plan. They got separated. Um, I guess they didn't even necessarily know that they were separated for all they knew. Some of them were dead. Um, well, uh, okay. sort of beforehand. Well, I mean, yeah, you're an attack. But there was also talk about it because of, uh, Raceland and Sturm were still having, tensions between them and they were talking about the need to separate to d go deal like Raceland can go and get the uh, deal with Finos Dragon Orbs mm -hmm. while Sturm can go up north to uh, Sandcrest yes Sandcrest for yeah. purposes of going to help the, with the Knights of Salam yeah. right. so. Uh, and so anyway they, they end up getting split up when when uh, the inn that they were in was destroyed by the Dragon Breath. The the yep. Red Dragon Inn, which um, is a fairly well used name in the gaming community, right? I believe there's a game called Red Dragon Inn. Um, mm. It's not a Dragonlance game, but it's I imagine that's where the name came from. Um, yeah. well, Red uh, Dragon are synonymous with D and D, so right. and so um, was it. Caraman, Raceland, Tannis, um, Alana, and the the other elf guy, Lorana's brother. Was, uh, wasn't he with them? No, the group was Tannis, Riverwind, Goldmoon, oh, Riverwind, Goldmoon, uh, Tika. And Alhana. Yes. And the other group was Sturm, Flint, Tassahalf, Gelfanis, which is Lorna's brother. Gelfanis, that's what Lorana it's called. and Elliston. Okay, yes, yes. Okay. So it was the split of the That was the split. And so we mostly end up following the story of, of Tannis and company. Uh, as they go to the the Elven home, uh, the Sylvanasti, uh, lands and, and the city where we learn the story that um, 
the city was evacuated by the king, and the king uh, had one sort of last-ditch effort to try to save his people, and that was, it turned out, that was to use a dragon orb to, to keep the dragon armies away or at bay or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but the dragon orb basically won the contest of wills. And so he was working for the dragon orb. The dragon orb was not working for him. And so it was like this haunted land and it was full of visions of, of things that weren't really there. And so there was this psychological thing of getting through the city. And then eventually you get to the actual king uh, and there's visions of the other characters and, and they all have like dreams of being there too. And it was, it was kind of weird. Well but also it was being manipulated by the green dragon cyan bloodbane. Cyan, yeah, yeah. That's right, that's right. Because the dragon orb called cyan bloodbane, and then cyan basically it was... Cyan and the dragon orb were basically running things. Um, yeah. And, and, and the king was the vessel with which the, the dragon orb was able to act. Yeah. Um, and they, they basically, yeah... They, reading the book, that thing, it sort of looks sometimes that, like... As you until you realize what's happening, it's sort of like wait the group is back all together because Sturm is there and all the other people are well are dead. and that's where the previous parts of the story are extra frustrating because the story has been known to just skip over major events and so the idea that like the group would be back together again uh, and all in Sylvanesti together like that's reasonable the way their story's yep. being told because they've yep. skipped over really big important things like oh we got separated but now we're back together again or whatever you know but it turns out it yep. wasn't it was just part of the visions uh from the dragon orb and, and what have you uh okay. and, ev and eventually um i forget how they defeated or got past cyan bloodbane do you remember uh I do not remember how they defeated those. I, I do remember, though, that like in the in the dreams, I think it was only in the dreams, but in the dreams, Raceland's take on the black robes and he's going. Yeah. yeah. They're trying to get to the Tower of Stars. I think it is uh, Raceland using, dominating the dragon orb and putting his will on it. Showing as that's my gut that I'm thinking, but honestly, I don't remember. For, um, that, for that, yeah, no, and and it was like I guess we don't really know how Cyan was defeated. Um, we but we know he was defeated because um, it all sort of happened in this weird was it a dream was it not a dream thing, and and the yeah. whole Raceland and the black robes thing is. Um, is possible to be happening if we know what's ha coming down the line for, for yeah. Raceland, right? Um, so it's possible Raceland did defeat him uh, at this point, and, and if it was really Raceland or, you know, what have you. Uh, but eventually Raceland, uh, the, the dragon is... Uh, is defeated, and Raceland basically goes up and, and is able to sort of master the dragon orb well enough to stick it in a bag of holding that they apparently have um, and, and carry the thing away. Right. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so that was a thing. Um, and then, so that, yeah. and, and I think it, it, it's at that point that a lot of the focus switches back over to the other crew. Yeah. And it's We're like, basically who, who, they're who, traveling up the, who already has a dragon orb, right? And they already have a dragon orb. Uh, yes. Yeah. They basically they are up in the glass here, and they recovered a they they kill a white dragon and recovered a second dragon orb. So. Right. So well, well, we got the story of one group gathering a dragon orb. Then it switches to the other group, and the other group's like, "Yep, yeah, we already got one. We're good." Uh, yeah. And it and it becomes all about the travel and taking this dragon orb. Uh, was it Sandcrest where they were taking it, or Whitestone? Yes. Eventually, okay, they're taking it to Sandcrest now. Eventually, it gets to Whitestone, yeah. Um, yeah. and so uh, they get it to. Uh, okay, so yeah, yeah, and then they split the party again, don't they? Um, because it event they're like they're being followed, they're being chased uh, by the elves who want the dragon orb. 
Yeah. Uh, and some of them are like, well, we'll stay here and go this way and draw the elves away from you, and you go that way and get the orb to Sandcrest. And then the story follows the, the ones that are leading the elves away, right? And then it becomes the story of Lorana and, and, and Gilthanus is there and Silvara yeah. and Taz. Is that the whole group? Yes, I believe that's the whole group. I don't um, quite remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, yeah. well, and, and, oh no, not, and not yet. Yeah, and so anyway, Silvara takes them to, to this, you know, really iconic looking location, right? It's, it's yeah. massive dragon carved into the side of a, of yeah. a cliff and, and there's a waterfall and there's mist yeah. and, you, and there's a tomb yeah, inside too. of it. Yeah, this is the part where they meet up with Slavar the first time. Oh, is it? I thought they. Well, because they met. Was, they, they met Silvara. Was there beforehand? They met Silvara. Oh yeah, you're you're right. You're right. So they met Silvara going through the Elven lands, and then they sort of yeah. ditched the elves and took the the dragon yeah. with them, and that's when the elves were chasing them. And she was yeah. she was a Kaganesti elf working as sort of like a servant to to the elves. Yeah. Um, so Kaganesti yes. being basically the white elves. Yes, so. absolutely. That's right. Uh, and so she joins up with them because they were nice to her. And then she takes them to the big, you know, waterfall and big giant dragon statue and whatever. And it's revealed that, unsurprisingly to anybody paying attention, that she is the silver dragon that <laughs> that once uh, was ridden by by the great knight Huma himself, right? Um, and that this great dragon statue thing that they she took them to is currently serving as the tomb of Huma. That Huma is actually there. Um, and and although I did enjoy the fact that like they talked about this is the tomb of Huma, but the like the statue, the carving and all of that looks much older than the tomb of Huma. Like this thing is older than Huma is but yeah. they've repurposed some ancient impressive site and made it into Huma's tomb. It's it's a generational tomb. They they have sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. mostly, I mean, like, it's like, uh, and it, but also when when there that's where one of where uh, one of the characters that was had been killed off in the first book comes back right this bad yeah so if, yeah taz ends up well and it was a little strange um like everybody is was it silvara like betrays them or something she 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 basically defeats them with a sleep spell doesn't she uh, something puts them all to sleep yeah um and i thought it was her but i don't it, that part was a little fuzzy anyway. Um, but Taz was unaffected uh, because Taz is, I guess, afraid of nothing and so can't be put to sleep, I don't know. Um, and ends up jumping into the this big hole uh, <laughs> behind the tomb. And this hole, like, turns into a, a sort of an air-based water slide, right? It just sort of zips you around through these tunnels until he comes out uh, in this higher chamber up in the head of the dragon statue. Um and he's checking out some of the, like the murals and carvings there, uh, and and somebody starts talking to him, and it's Fisbin who who you know died in the last book. Book. Um, and then Fisbin joins him back down the tunnel, back into the tomb, and and basically chastises Silvara. Like Fisbin clearly knows Silvara, clearly knows what's going on, knows a lot about her and her situation uh and and chastises her um and you know which is our first real hint that there is a lot more going on to fisbin than meets the eye right yeah well he he is not just a weird eccentric and powerful wizard like there's yeah something else well you know it shows that he knows more of what's going on and uh when she reveals that she's a a silver dragon. I think that's also the sort of part where they reveal, from what I recall, basically the, the, because the, the 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 good dragons which exist in the world because this is their first indications of right. look, they're but they can't 
interfered. They can't do anything because of the pack that they have, a pack that they had established with the chromatic dragons. Mm. Uh, I don't think they go much into detail about what that pack is. I think that's in the, in the second, in the, in the third book. Maybe. Yeah, but but Fisman clearly knows all about this pact yeah. and is talking to her about like, you know, you made a deal. Yeah. Are you yeah. are you breaking this deal? Like, he's like, I'm not going to stop you from breaking your word, but recognize that there are consequences to that and, and make sure you're okay with that, right? Yeah. Um, oh, oh, that, and that, uh, I forgot. That's also where they ran into uh, Theros, um, yes. the, the blacksmith, and he's with them as well with his silver arm. And that yeah. becomes important because um, that's when we – I mean, they sort of stick around there for a while and make dragon lances, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. And then the rest of the then – then it cuts over to the, to the knights, uh, and they get the – they, what, they get the orb to Sandcrest and then they go to Whitestone yeah. with it. They go to they go to Sandcrest, which is where uh, the big political drama happens between Derek and Sturm. What is the Whitestone thing? I think, keep thinking of then. Uh, Whitestone was the council. Oh, it's the council of Whitestone at Sandcrest. Uh, is that right? Yes. Okay. Yes. So the Council of Whitestone is at Sandcrest, and and they have there's a big political drama, and it turns out. You know, after the the courtroom scene, Sturm is not going to be allowed to to wear the regalia of a knight. He's not going to be officially made a knight. Kind of like there was the, like he he wasn't being given the honors of the knight, but he wasn't being denied his knighthood either. And he's allowed to become a full knight of Smolia in the order of the crown, which not of the rose, which I believe the rose is the highest of the that's, of the. Uh, uh, um, uh, what, what were uh, it's oh the sword the crown and the and the the rose I think in that order yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, so he but he's allowed to stay at night uh, and then they they ship him off to go fight in the war um, up north right uh, and they're gonna put him in charge of one of the branches of night so even though he's not you know, allowed to wear the regalia and he doesn't know the fate of whether or not he's going to be allowed to stay a night or not. And they're going to, you know, wait till there's some, some witnesses they can question and whatever. Um, he's going to be in charge. He's going to be in charge of a third of the, the army. Um, uh, and then, and then he leaves and, you know, right on his coattails, here comes, uh, the rest of the, the group, right? Um, they show up with uh, with dragon lances, and uh, Lorana is there. And even though she's not a knight, she's a princess, and they give her some credence. And they decide, okay, great, he's allowed to become a knight. We get our scene with the with Fisben and Tass in the uh, in Mount Nevermind, which is the the name of the the, the Tinker Gnome city inside the mountain. Um, which that is the other part of this story that I remember well from my childhood the, the the gnomes are funny and fun and interesting yes um and, and, and it's part of their culture they're used to be interrupted because they will run right. on and just talk to you well, and, and, and because not just talk but like because their names could take a day to say right yes. and so they was somebody that's why i got started getting called mount nevermind by the knights because um the gnomes would say oh we live over here in mount blah 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 and eventually the knights would just go never mind never mind never mind you don't need to tell me and it just became colloquial colloquially known as mount nevermind uh and and it is um and so you get all that there's the council of white sun where they're deciding what to do and one of the things they're deciding what to do is what to do with the dragon orb that they brought with them uh, and and that's where there's lots of conflict. It's, yeah, it's it, it's it's like the Council of Rivendell and uh, kind Lord of, of Rings where, they're, where they're basically all the all the races are all fighting each other of what to do. Right. until we should use the orb. We should hide the orb. We should lock it away. We should you know we should yeah. get it. Whatever. Right. And Tass just grabs it and just. Throws it out and just shatters yeah. it. Although it was and it was uh, um, foreshadowed, like Fisben had told him, like 
you're going to have a choice to make, and one of the choices is going to be easy and ultimately lead to ruin. And one of the choices is going to be really hard for you specifically. But and it will make life harder for everybody, but is probably the better choice in the long run. Sure. Right. And then yeah. there will be losses on your personal losses and right. personal sacrifices on your end. And so Taz made the the sacrifice of making life difficult, but to do the right thing, which was destroy Same. the orb. Which also feels a little weird to me, I guess. Like Fisman was was angling that we should totally destroy this dragon orb, knowing full well that Raceland's walking around with another one like it's no big deal. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Um, like, okay, so you got rid of one, but like... He's a big, huge manipulator and yeah. this thing. He's like... And well, and he has been since since chapter one of the first book, right? Yeah. Um, yes. uh, so, in, in, the, in the scenario adventures, he's a fun just He's the, the NPC that prods the heroes in mm -hmm. one direction or the other and forces them to act and not stall. Right. Well, and even in, even in, in uh, Chapter 1, for those of us who know more about Fisben's story, and it's kind of hard not to talk about it. I'm looking forward to the next book because I think that's when we can talk about it, right? Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, but even in chapter one of the first book, like not only is he asking for a song that sets everything off, right, and, and putting everything in motion, but like there's a description of him showing up before the heroes ever show up and arranging the furniture in a certain way to make sure that things like there's he clearly knows how things are going to play out and how to manipulate that, even yeah. from that beginning part. And, and like from when he was speaking to Silvara about her breaking and all that, and I, I was reading it as like it's like Fizban wants her to break her stuff. Mm. He, he, he his chest is like that, but he but you read it and like yeah no he wants her to do stuff. He wants her to get involved in this, even though she shouldn't because of promises that she's made. But he wants to because. Mm -hmm. I feel like he doesn't like where stuff is going or where he believes stuff is going. And, right. and he, I believe, I, I believe, I also know, but I believe <laughs> that he, he is also breaking rules that he's not supposed right. to like, by being there, but he's trying to do it without being obvious about it. Right. Uh, so, in the interest of time, then, um, that crew is tasked with heading off to the, was the High Claris Tower where Sturm is and joining them yeah. and, and working on the fight there in the yeah. north. And then we cut back over to, is it Floatsum? Is that the name of the, the town? Yeah, Floatsum. With the other group, the Tannis and Raceland, Caraman and Tika and all them, uh, they've been sort of working their way to this town of, of Floatsome, uh, working as a, a traveling performance team. Like Raceland starts doing magic tricks and they start singing songs and, and doing things to make a little bit of money here and there uh, on their way to Floatsome. Uh, they discover that Floatsome is overrun by the dragon armies as well. Yeah, the Blue Dragon Army. The Blue Dragon Army, which is the same one that they ran into down at, uh, in uh, Tarsus, wasn't it? This, the Of the second army that showed up, it was yeah. the Blue Dragon Army. I think so. I thought, though, the other, the uh, our Dragon Army in uh, Tarsus was a red one. So I I know that, I, I believe there was one Dragon Army that was already there. And then yeah. there was the other one that came in behind uh, yeah. when the attack happened. And I think that was the Blue, because I remember the... The, there was one section where they were t being told, telling the story from the perspective of Sky, which is the uh, dragon high yes. lord of the blue dragon army's dragon. Um, yeah. uh, and it and and that's and it's actually in Floatsum where we meet the blue dragon high lord. They um, the heroes uh, are able to get a handle on some of the uh, dragon army uniforms and are, mm -hmm. and are posing as members of the dragon army and and. Tannis is being attacked, and the dragon High Lord comes to his defense, and it turns out it's uh, it's uh, um, Kitiara, his old his his old his old love. Um, you know, he had the, he has the elven love, and he has the human love, and this is the human love who who we've heard about since the first book, who who'd gone off north to, to make her way with her sword, and and now she's there. Yeah, she, now we find out why she did not make the appointment 
Right. Why she didn't she join everybody was, else uh, at the end of the last home like everybody else, right? She had she got a job as a general you know, evil army. I mean, right. as, as one does. And, and she sees Tannis in the dragon army uniform is like, oh, how did I not know that one of my good friends from my past is one of my lieutenants? And she totally buys into it, right? And takes him along and, uh, and tells him all of their secret. Well, not all of their secrets, but tells them a bit about what's going on. He gets an exposition there. Um, and then... And he goes along with it. Tanis right. goes along. He's, he's not letting go. He's just continuing on. He's by himself with her. And And is that where we leave that storyline off? I'm trying to remember. Or did they get on a boat uh, and take off on the boat? Well, uh, she, uh, she gives him a captain position, I believe, or something like that. Mm. Where did you roll all that? Uh, it's not the last part where she is because she is. Uh, it's not the last part for her, but is it the last part for him? I believe it is the last yeah. part, for her, but we do hear of her at the end because yeah. where she mentions, but. Yeah. yeah, no, we'll get, yeah, but I'm, we'll trying to remember, to I'm trying to remember if the, if they ended the the Tannis and group scene with them getting on a boat, or if it was a boat that brought them to Floatsome. There was a boat trip at some point, and it and yeah. it was notable because it involved the the green gemstone man. Uh, uh, is it Barum? Is that his name? The green emerald man. Yeah, which which we do learn that. Uh, Kitiara is also looking for him. Well, and yeah, and when they kind of ha- the dragon armies have been looking for him since book one. That's another yeah. one of the one of those stories. It's like they make this guy out to be really important. Everybody's looking for him, but he like makes little brief cameos in the books. Like I want to know, <laughs> they're like, what is this story? What's going on? I guess maybe we'll yeah, find no, out. Because that that is the, the green gemstone man is one person. That one character that I do not remember at all in oh, the yeah. story. And I don't remember his story being like super crucial in, in future events, other than I remember even as a as a kid reading it, like that it bothered me. Like they they act like this guy is really important, but he Ooh. was never made to feel important to me as a reader at all. I never understood um that whole thing. But We'll find out if we feel the same at the end of the next book. Um, so that's more so, or less yeah. the end of that story. Then we go to the High Clarice Tower. Lorana and everybody shows up. The the political drama with the knights continues, but Sturm is made a full knight. Uh, Lord Derek insists that... Uh, so, so they're there in the High Clarice Tower. The High Clarice Tower has never fallen so long as a man of, of was it, faith has, has defended it. Um, yeah. And... I mean, Storm is made knight, and he's he's sentenced to defend High Clarice Tower underneath the rule of Derek. Well, my impression was that so because there was one representative there from each of the three types of knights. uh, Knight of the Rose, and and so I don't think he was technically under Derek. They were in a council together. in charge of yeah. their sections, but Derek was always able to get the other guy to go along with him. Even yeah. though Storm was like, the other guy doesn't really seem to be into it, but he always follows Derek's instructions. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, the, the Order of the Rose is the most prestigious, yes. the leaders and all that. So, so when you're saying, right, they are in in the in Dini rules. In the Dragon Rose, if you wanted to be a Knight of Salamia, right. you had to, the, the Order of the Rose was the higher level. Absolutely, no, no, and and and, and Lord Derek's position, like as an, in the knighthood, is above him. But in terms of the command of the army, uh, I, I felt like there was discussion that it was kind of a three-way leadership situation. Uh, yeah. and Sturm was one third of it, um, but Lord Derek decides we should charge out of the High Clarice Tower and attack the Dragon Army that has surrounded us, um, and we should do it now before they starve us out or whatever. And Sturm was very insistent, like, "No, this is an incredibly defensible position. It's never fallen. So long as people have stayed here to defend it, we can win this if we just stay put." Uh, and and Lord Derek is the other guy on his side and insists that they charge out. Sturm gives his inspirational speech and convinces a bunch of people 
to stay behind with them. Um, they charge out. The army is massacred. Uh, Lord Derek's uh, no, uh, the other leader's head is returned, and Lord Derek is returned, injured and and gone completely mad. He'd he'd obviously been going a little bit crazy before this too, yeah. um, but he's completely insane and whatever. And now Sturm is in charge of the remnants, and he's going to hold it, um, hold the High Clarus Tower, and they they use the fun little trick. Um, it, the Tass shows up, you know, and they and they. They dig in deeper, and they find, of course, a third dragon orb, right? Orb. Yep. Because why not? Because because it was really important that he destroy that one, even though they're tripping over him everywhere they go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so they well, find another they, dragon orb, but they, it's clearly... You do mention there's, there's only five dragon orbs that were made. Well, and my... So, I, I, I don't... It hasn't necessarily been made clear in the books, but my impression, and I'd have to go back and look at the stats to see if it's still true, but my impression at the time was that there was one for each dragon color, for each yeah. of the chromatic dragon colors. Yeah. Um, and does, yeah. So they destroyed one uh, right. of the, and they found two others. Which they found on a glacier, so I guess I'm going to assume is the white dragon orb that they destroyed. The white dragon one. The, but, the one in the. Pro which is the least the powerful, one. right? The, the white dragon yeah. one. <laughs> so yeah, uh, uh, Raceland's like, got the green. Yeah, and so then, they destroyed and, a, they destroyed a white one. Mm. Uh, Raceland, yeah, probably has a green. And, and then this would be the blue because it called all the blue dragons. Yeah, uh, and so and they and, and the High Claris Tower was set up in a very in, uh, creative way. They used the dragon orb to call the dragons, but okay. there's like greats that the dragons can only fit their heads through and not the rest of their body and then you know then you get off with their head and, and finish off the dragons because they're stuck right? yeah well, um, th this is this is also the the point where uh where um uh Theros shows up i believe Kithiara? with the dragon lances yeah oh, oh yeah yeah Theros shows up with with lorana and taz uh and and those folks uh with the dragon lances that the other knights besides Storm don't even want to use. Flint yeah. is is, uh, is there. And, um, oh, there was somebody else that had to stay behind to teach them how to use the Dragon Lances. Was that the excuse for Lorana to stick behind? I remember, maybe. I think so. And I think by this point they lost Gelfinus somewhere. Maybe he stayed behind with the elves. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, the battle, you know, the, then the Dragon Army comes on. Kitiara shows up and, and joins... Uh, the Blue Dragon Army, having received word that this battle was happening, she gets on her dragon and flies there. That's when the Dragon Orb thing happens, because uh, you know, the dragons show up and it turns the tide of the battle, and then they use the Dragon Orb, and it turns the tide kind of back a little bit, right? Um, and then Kitiara shows up, and there is the climactic big fight between Sturm and Kitiara and the walls of the High Claris Tower. Uh, oh. and, and in that moment of... of Sadness, right? Sturm is is killed by his old friend yeah. Kitiara, uh, who then yeah. hops back on her dragon and flies away and, and leaves the rest of them yeah. there. Well, well, basically, Lorana shows up to right. cradle uh, to, to cradle Sturm, and also in when before leaving, Kitiara, who knows also Lorana because right. of the relationship. Well, she mentioned that tennis is with. Her, because she doesn't oh, know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. She mentions uh, that that Tannis is with her army, um, which is interesting as well. Like, I certainly Lorana knows of Kitiara. I don't think they'd actually met before, right? No. Because in the first right. book, she kept referring to her Kitiara as, as your human love or whatever, right? Yeah. Um. So I didn't get the impression they knew each other before then, but yeah. but now they've met each other, right? Um. So yeah, and, and I think that was more or less where the book left off. I expect that uh, when we pick up the third book eventually, six months will have passed and they'll have found five more artifacts. <laughs> Does that sound about right? <laughs> five? Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's at least two more dragon orbs that they gotta, you know, play marbles with. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. So. Well, yeah, no, I'm, I'm curious if we're going to... Because, yeah, because yeah, the first... Honestly, the first book also starts with 
stuff has happened previously and we're just getting into the story. Well, and, and that one, I guess that, it, the first book feels like at least, like it's maybe starts in a weird place, but it's telling a continuous story. I don't story. feel like there yeah. was a lot of, like, it didn't jump in the middle of the story, whereas this one, there's a huge jump going from book one into book two. Like, okay, so we didn't get the prequel stuff. Like, I don't mind the story starting a little bit in Media Res, right? It's not really an in Media Res start, but it kind of is because the group had yeah. already formed. They'd been apart for a few years. That's for a prequel, and I happen to know that there are prequels, right? Yeah. But then when you go from book one to book two, and it's like, well, a few months have passed, and we've got new allies, and here's a couple of artifacts, and, you know, on our way. Yeah. <laughs> But I decided um, to place a where to put in the refugees that's been us for several I mean, months. The el yeah, the elves of Qualanesti had like completely relocated to another part of the world and, and resettled like in this amount of time. Yeah. Um, and we just sort of get told, oh yeah, this happened, and then we move on. So yep. it, it's interesting. I don't know that it's a style of storytelling that I prefer. I also recognize that if they had told all of those stories, the series would have been five books instead of three, at least. Um, you know, I think they could have told it shorter than yep. they did with the, the books that they wrote to, to fill in those gaps. But um, it would have definitely expanded the, yep. the story. And, and maybe that would have been fine. I don't know. And... I like. I don't mind not having seen of how they got the white dragon orb, all that because we saw how they got the green one. And mm -hmm. Now, okay, we get to see we we get to see the journey with the dragon orb with the Driven group, while we don't see the journey with the green dragon orb. Well, thing is, we didn't see the journey with the green dragon orb, but not much happened. They, you know, they just sort of. Oh, yeah. Locked, you know. Uh, I, I feel like yeah, there, that's, there were, that, that's the thing. Those are the two you flip flop between the two right. characters telling them experienced stories. But I feel you like still want to see those characters rather than just lots and lots of stuff. I feel like getting a dragon orb should be an and uh, a big deal. Yeah. Should be difficult, you know, if I'm if I'm the DM telling that story, uh, and is worth putting on camera, right? Traveling, we can fast forward through. Uh, now their travel yeah. with the White Dragon Orb uh, was eventful. There was a lot of important yeah. things going on, and so I, I know why we didn't skip that. I think they were, they missed an opportunity. They could have done an interesting storytelling of going back and forth between both perspectives of both groups and watching them both get collect Dragon Orbs different ways at the same time. Um, I think that would have been an interesting way to do that. But they didn't, and, and there we are. Who am, I, who am I to tell people how to write? Uh, I certainly uh, have never written a novel, so there we go. <laughs> I have not either, but we, I, we just read lots and lots of novels. And yeah, we've read a lot of novels, yeah. No, absolutely. All right, so I think I think that's where we're, we're done now, right? Yeah, well, that's that's the whole story. Because even, uh, cause even with two of us, we've gone over time. <laughs> so. yeah. um, well, there's lots stuff that happens and uh, so like the battle at the end that's where you actually start feeling that it is yes this is a war this is you're not starting just, to get yeah this well, is not like the, the first book it's you you're not really involved in the war now it feels that you're involved in this war that is happening there's well, the, large army. the first book is kind of like we live in a world that's somewhat close to the war, so it affects us, but we're not really in the thick of it, right? And then by the yeah. end of it, we're kind of on, at the edges of it. This book, we spend almost the entire book at the edges of this war, and it concludes with now we're kind of in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, and as I recall, the third book, it's going to be now we're in the middle of this war, right? And so oh, yeah. we kind of, it, it's not a direct line of going from outside of the war to the middle of the war because it kind of spirals around and moves around the continent, but they're kind of yeah. zooming in on the heart of the war and they're getting the heart of right? Yeah. Um, well, so, yeah. And uh, this was written in a time of AD&D first edition, which uh, it's all probably now they're currently level-wise, they're probably around level nine which is when you start having your followers you have your armies and all that and that's right. when you deal with the the teens deal with those big wars yeah 
All right, so I think uh, we're going to save the, the discussion for the rest of that for, for the third book when we yeah. get to the third book. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to call that the end of the episode. So uh, yeah. it's time to say goodbye. I want to say thank you to Skull Splitter Dice uh, for sponsoring our contest for the next few months. Uh, if you go to skullsplitterdice.com slash tome-show, and I finally looked it up. I've gotten it wrong like the last three recordings, but it's skullsplitterdice.com slash tome-show. You can find a coupon code there that is worth 15% off uh, if you want to get any awesome dice. I, their metal dice are my, I got them right next to me, are my favorite uh, metal dice. So we've had different dice sponsors over the nice. years. Uh, they got the little Skull Splitter logo there on the 20. Um, cool. So, so, but they're also just a little bit bigger than the other dice. Uh, the um, so I like that as well. They're easy to grab out of a pile. Uh, so anyway, uh, go there, get a fifteen percent discount, get yourself some awesome dice. I also want to thank our patrons uh, over at Patreon.com/slash/TheTomeShow, uh, and those of you who shop at Amazon and DMs Guild using our affiliate links at TheTomeShow.com. If you want to contact us, you can email thetomeshow at gmail.com. You can tweet at Tracy, uh, who didn't make it with us tonight. She is at Sarah Dark Magic, and she writes at sarahdarkmagic.com. You can tweet at me. I'm at Squatch, S-Q-U-A-C-H. Eric is at Eric with a C-M and Pack, P-A-Q. Uh, and the show is at the Tome Show, which you want to definitely go check out because of that contest going on right now. Um, that is talked about more over at uh, the Tome Show's Twitter account. Uh, you can also watch our stream of uh, our episode recordings over at twitch.tv slash Tome Show, uh, like several people are doing right now. Uh, I see a few people, and Steal Your Mind was here at the beginning and chatting with us. There are some other people that are watching, but or maybe listening but not chatting. That's okay, too. That is a perfectly acceptable way to engage in the, the stream. Uh, if you want to find show notes and other great sh Tome Show shows, go to thetomeshow.com. That is our thoughts on Dragons of Winter Night. Uh, up next in July, we will be reading The Crimson Legion by Troy Denning. Eric, you want to have any last words? Looking forward to go back to the arcs. All right. Keep turning the page, Tomites. Oh, wow.